So, David and his mighty men. The little recap, I talked about um, the person David was, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. And I started talking about the fact that God testifies of men. And you have to determine where you want your applause in life. Whether you want it from men or you want it from God. God said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. There was witness of his righteousness. Then he says, God testifying of his gifts. So God bore testimony of the gift of what Abel did. And I said that there are things that you do in the material world that have no eternal consequence and have no eternal value. And one of the things you have to be conscious of because so many people are conscious of today. They are conscious of the money they'll make today. They are conscious of the fame they'll have today. But they, not, they don't think about what they'll become in, the, in eternity. Because, you see, time, listen, time is a gift given us by God to determine our place in eternity. So it is only in time that you can determine what you will be in eternity. So, there are men who walk in this world. Bible talks about the, the people in, in Hebrews chapter 11. These men, Bible says that they walk in this world knowing that the world was not. Bible says Abraham looked for a better place. Even though God promised him a place, he said when he got to the place, he still looked for a better place because he knew that this was not it. Because God cannot promise, all God has to offer you is not a car. All God has to offer you is not a house. All God has to offer you is not a, a, a husband. Sometimes we make these things fill our minds so much that we forget that there are things that have eternal consequence and there are things that have eternal value. And it's one of the things that the Spirit of God always tries to bring to the minds of many Christians. Like I said, during three days of faith and power, there are some people, they'll think they are failed in life because they did not build a house. But God does not look at things like that. Abraham did not have any property as it were. He looked for a better place. But what did he get? He became the father of many nations, as God spoke, as God said. So his life, like Bible um, talked um, about Abel, he said, he being dead, yet speaketh. So by the virtue of that thing that he did unto God, it entered into the eternal economy. What he did entered into eternal econ economy. It was now, it could now be weighed. There are things to do in the material world that they don't even appear in the spirit. Who is selling trousers in heaven? Nobody's selling trousers. They, those things are not, like I told you, I said, when you go to heaven, gold, they walk on it. It's not to tell you that the street is nice. Oh. Everywhere in heaven is nice. You know, some people think that when the Bible says that the streets are made of gold, so, ooh, it's not to tell you that the street is nice. They tell you that the street is made of gold so that you know that the thing that we are pricing on earth as the highest is being worked on in heaven. So, you have to understand the things that have eternal consequences, the things that have eternal value. So, I talked about David, that God testified of David, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And when he had removed him, talking about Saul, and when he had removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king. He says, to whom also he gave testimony. Hebrews chapter 11, Abel, he testified of his gifts. God, I mean, God was moved you understand? So they said, God testified of Abel and what Abel did. How did Abel's gift become a thing of faith? Let me explain something. 
in this kingdom, like you saw that we are doing 10, 9, 8 cell leaders, um, this number one. Have you noticed that when people are talking, they are always trying to... Now, this is a, 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 um, a camp meeting. If you don't understand anything I say here, you are probably not a member. That means you've not heard other things I've said. So don't take me out of context. So, but I was in camp meetings, I, need, I, 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 I hit nails on the head. Yeah, so that's what I'll do. Equality doesn't exist with God. There is nothing like equality with God. With God, there is a ranking. There is a ranking. When you hear principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, that is a ranking of angels. There is segregation with God. I want you to understand this. With God, there is a ranking. Don't think we are all the same. <laughs> Men are in sizes. No physical size. Right. There is a ranking with God. Equality is not with God. You know, when you see the world, the world is trying to achieve equality now. They are trying to achieve equality with it. the rich and the poor have to be the same. This one is there. This one, you know, they are trying to achieve equality and it will never work. It will never work. Jesus Christ, for example, one of the reasons why poverty will never stop. Poverty will never stop. You know why? If poverty stops, Jesus is not God. Because he made a statement. He said, the poor you always have with you. When they broke the alabaster box on his leg, and he said, oh, he said, oh, we could have sent, given this to the poor. Jesus Christ said, the poor you always have with you. So, poverty, the only, the only way poverty will be alleviated is in the kingdom age. When Jesus becomes the resident king. Are you getting it? Praise the Lord. So, equality does not exist. But, there is uh, room and occasion for equity. Righteousness is equity before God. I'll give you an example. Samson's birth was very dramatic. Samson's life was very dramatic. Before he was born, an angel, it was like a special treatment. This is not a quality matter. There's a special treatment. There, an angel, before he was born, an angel appeared to his mother and gave him instructions that the child you're about to give birth to is this, is that. So there, there's this special thing that came with Samson. A guy who just woke up and he's functioning with Asian spirits. He just shakes himself and, you know, and his calling that God gave him is that he will grow up and all the years that the Philistines have been tormenting the Israelites, he will come and end it. That was his calling. One man. Very dramatic calling. Very dramatic. On the other hand, David, no drama. No drama. When he was born, in fact, the day they came to look for him, his father forgot that they have a last born. <laughs> the prophet, too moved by his senses in the beginning, he saw Eliab, he said, hey, the Lord's anointed. God said, hold on. And it's so powerful that God could have said, the guy, because he's a prophet, someone's a prophet, he should have known. God should have said, the guy I'm looking for is in the bush. God made him go from every other person. One, one, one. God said, it is none of them. Then someone said, who do you have? He said, we have a, a small boy. Oh, 
the father didn't think uh, it's not him, it's not, you know, I'm sure listen to God again because that guy, oh, he is, he, oh. We have sent him to go and take care of the, two, the sheep. When he came, someone said, This is he. Now, no drama about David's life. Nobody mentioned when he was born. No instruction came to his father. In fact, I said they didn't even regard him as one of the sons. Like anything can come out of. But by faith, David was also able to buy a ticket of equity. So in Hebrews 11, Samson was mentioned, David was mentioned. So faith brings us into equity with God. Now, how I ask a question, how did Abel enter into um, Hebrews 11? I was one time talking with Pastor Claude and Brown. I said, you see, someone say, why did Adam, why did God put the tree in, in the garden? Because you know that the guy might eat it. Why would you put it in the garden? It's like God set up the whole thing. You know, someone think about it. But when you read scripture, you have to understand scripture is what gives us insight into the character of God. You see, it's only through scripture. When, when we go further in the topic esoterica, I will go deeper into this. It is through the scriptures that we get to understand the character of God. Two things, write them down. Two things that you will use to assess a divine character. Two things. Number one is the first that is the first thing the person says. The first time the person says it, you begin to know that this is what is in the heart of the person. Because according to God, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if God appears to you, what he says to you first counts. It matters. It matters what he says to you first. So a lot of the time, pay attention to the day you step into church, the first message you heard. Check it. It has something to do with your destiny. So we use first, because I, I, this is not a time to explain the law of the first. I, I explain it in kingdom order. The first. And the next one is the frequency. How many more times did he do it? So you see, we use a frequency to also ex, um, establish a divine principle. Not everything is a law. Some are principles. Not everything is. For example, tight. I've explained this before. Tight. So it's a, oh, um, the, law, the tithe was in the law. So we are not supposed to pay tithe tonight. You see, it's not about the law. Even though the tithe did not come from the law, it came from the eternal covenant. But you, you can take the principle of tithe from God's character. Check God's character. He created the days, he took one. Jacob gave birth to sons, he took one. You understand? So you check the character of the person. Anytime he does something, he takes one out. Even 12 disciples, one had to go out. So you see, when you check the character of the person, you understand that, okay, this is not just, um, this is not just a law, or the Bible is telling us do or don't. You assess the character of God by observation. So the person was observing. So what made God put the, 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 tree in the garden is because of this thing I'm, I'm talking about now ranking because Adam was just created and he had a special calling being the first man he was able to um, name animals he was able now Adam you were created let's say by grace what now merits you a ranking in the heavenlies 
You need a ranking in the heavenlies. And that can only happen by faith. Because that is the character of God. So God had to put the tree in the garden. And give Adam an opportunity for obedience. Because obedience is faith. So God was giving Adam an opportunity for obedience. Adam failed it. So Hebrews 11, when they started mentioning the elders, they started from Abel. They didn't start from Adam. Go, go to, go, go to um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse, verse 2. For by it, the elders. So when you go to heaven, they don't count Adam as an elder. When you talk about elders, we are not talking about gray, those who have been there for long, no. When you come to, to, to faith, the, 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 when we talk about elders, when it comes to the kingdom, we talk about elders. There are people who have walked by faith. So how did Abel enter? Verse 4. Look at it. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Now, how did Abel enter into faith? God asked them for sacrifice. It would be wrong. Listen. For God to have expected, no, because, so, you know, in um, Sunday school they said, Cain brought uh, rotten goose. No, it's not true. Cain brought his own. Abel too brought what, they, they all brought what they were uh, trading in. Okay? What now qualified Abel was that, I said it would be wrong for God to expect Cain, all right, to bring a blood sacrifice because the sacrifice they were giving was a sacrifice for sin. It would be wrong for God to bring a blood, uh, God to hold Cain accountable for not bringing a blood sacrifice if he has not told them. How do we know he told them? Because God taught Adam how to atone for sin in the garden. He killed a lamb and covered them. So Adam must have taught his kids. So when it was time for them to also now go and put their offering because the issue was sin. So they had to give a, a, a blood sacrifice. So he gave it. So um, Abel entered faith because he gave God the specifics. Cain said, I will give God what I can. I see some people in church. I will do what I can. And some too, they will give God what God wants. I remember a lady when I was a fellowship leader, very beautiful lady. And I went to her and I said, you know, she was coming to church. So one, she, she stopped coming for a while. So I went to visit her. She said, I asked her, why are you not coming again? She said, the reason why she's not coming again is that she wants to, you know, go and work and make a lot of money because anytime Pastor B is saying, church needs to pay for this, she feels it. So she wants to go and work, get a lot of money so that she can now be coming to give. I said, you're a fool. I told her, I said, you're a very big fool. She said, why? I said, any help you offer God that he is not involved, it doesn't count. Any help you offer God without him being involved does not count. <laughs> so I told her, I said, you're a big fool. She didn't listen to me because she was a very nice girl and many guys were looking for her. So me... Walking slim like that, thought something was wrong to, with me. Till today, she has not returned. Till today, she has not returned to church. You can't come back. 
Ah, so you think that if she actually went to go and get money and came back, God would be happy? How does God get the glory from that? Romans chapter 4, let me show you something. Let me start from verse 2. Okay, let me start from verse 1 so you understand. He said, what shall we say then that Abraham our father has pertained to the flesh had found? For if Abraham were justified by works, that means trying to make something happen. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had wear off to glory, but not before God. Are you kidding it? If Abraham was justified by works, that means, yes, it would have been powerful, but not before God. So I told you, I said, let what God counts, count for you. Did you hear that? <laughs> let what God counts, count for you. Because that is the only thing that will count in eternity. So, ranking, there's ranking with God. You need to understand that there's ranking with God. There's ranking with God. Yesterday, I talked about David. I talked about how God chose David as the, the representation of anything that kingship should be like. It's amazing. The, the, the parallelism. It's amazing the kind of, you know, Parallelism God places between the kingship of, of David and the kingship of the, our Lord Jesus. It's amazing. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about Jesus saying he has the keys of David. Jesus has the keys of David. I mean, David is so held in high esteem in the heavens. He's not a small guy there. So, what are the things that David did that made him count? Now, you see a lot of parallelism. Now, I started talking about Messiah being Joseph. And Messiah been David yesterday. Now, when Jesus was functioning as a Messiah been Joseph, I said he suffered and he was cut off. But David at 840 was king over all Israel. So Jesus at 40, listen, Jesus at 40 became or will become the king of the whole earth. But it doesn't mean he's not yet king. He's king. He's king. Let me explain. You know, as Messiah being Joseph, remember something Joseph said when he was about to die. He said, I am dying. He said, but God will visit you. He said, remember to take my bones with you. Which means the story has not ended for me. Oh, you've not read it. He said, God will visit you. He said, you leave this land. Joseph said, don't leave me in Egypt. He said, take my bones with you to the promised land. That means the whole thing had not ended for Messiah being Joseph. That means the story still continues. That will not permit me to talk about the, 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 the revelation of, of, of Exodus and the coffin of the mystery. But you will see a certain parallelism between Jesus and David. Jesus is king now. But you see, he is king in our hearts. The hearts of the Christians. He is king. And he reigns in our hearts. The time is coming where after the great tribulation, the seven years of great tribulation, that will be added to Messiah's age to make 40. After that, he will be king over the whole earth. But as of yet, as we speak, he is king and king in the hearts of his people. Anyone who accepts him, he becomes king over that person. That's why he becomes Lord of your life. But in Revelation chapter 19, he will become King of kings and Lord of lords. Am I talking to somebody here? Yes, sir. I'm still trying to lay the foundation for today's message. So you see in Luke chapter 1 verse 32, he said, 
God will give him the throne of his father David. Alright? So you will see certain parallels between Jesus and David. Now, go to Acts chapter um, 13. It's 13 we're reading, right? 22. You will see something there. Let's look at the people that get ranking before God. There's something about it. Now, I mentioned something concerning David. You know, there are many things that God said concerning David and the things that God testified concerning David. One was, is actually a heart of worship is one or a song of worship. Then also, David also gave God a costly offering. Every time David was doing something for God, he made sure he gave God the best. See? Then, David also had reverence for the house of God. And David also had a, had a heart of repentance. All these things, God testified of them. But let's look at the main things that made God testify of David. Now, we cannot use our mind to know the main things that made God testify. We have to look at God's testimony about David. So look at these people and see the parallels. It says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill my will. Not which shall do what he wants. Saul was interested in fulfilling the will of the people. But David was interested in fulfilling the will of God. So the mistakes... I told you, I've told you again, I said, where David made his mistakes, they were pardonable. Where Saul made his mistakes, it's like cause subjects and electives. You can fail certain electives and still qualify for what you are going to do. But when you fail the call, you have to rewrite. So Saul failed in the call, David failed the electives. You catch it? You catch them? All right. So, kingdom citizenship will cost you nothing. By kingdom ranking will cost you something. To be a Christian, free now. Oh Lord, I receive you, I accept you. Jesus, pam, citizenship. They give you your passport. You are a citizen of heaven. But where you will rank in the kingdom, it will cost you something. Now, go to Acts, the same Acts chapter 13, verse 36. I think it's 36. Good. Yeah, it's 36. He said, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God. I see it again. I see it again. He said, David served his generation by the will of God. This is the testimony of God about the man. He said, David served his own generation. He said, what? By the will of God. He didn't serve the, his, his own generation how he wanted. He served his own generation by the will of God. So David was so keen on the will of God. So you can see a certain faithfulness with David. So everything that God wanted was what David wanted. That is why God said, I found a man after my own heart. Sometimes eh, we, we, we do some very silly things in the kingdom. And God, for me, I say sometimes we are a source of amusement to God. Including those who say there's no God. You understand? Like, can you imagine God? If there's truly a God, do you think anybody who insults him, we will get angry. I don't think he gets angry. Say, there's no God. I don't think he will get angry. Because he looks at like cutie, cutie, see him. He said, there's no God. Like, oh, see this small boy. No, you look so, he man is like grass. You look like, you're nothing. You're nothing. Imagine a little baby. Has a little baby tried to fight with you before? Oh, yes. Let's say maybe four or five years. And maybe you are trying to beat him. And he hits you back. Pa, 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 pa. Thinking he's fighting you. You think, see you. In my land, you are slapped. 
I saw a video on, on Instagram about a white kid. The experience went to buy fresh television and he took hammer. Bam! He said, Stop it! Stop! Eh? In where? Anuraka. They have bought new television. He said, Pam! Look. There are slaps and there are slaps. There are slaps with angles. There are some slaps that can. Where? No, no, no. Where will you? Even when you have done it accidentally, I'm beating you now. You are taking it. Boom. Stop it. Stop it. What you do is not good. Then he hits the game. Boom. Boom. Stop it. Then he puts the TV down. Then the father says, why are you doing it? Why? You are asking why? So. In, 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 in my, where I grew up, when you do something like that, it's just a simple thing. The men who will bury you are outside waiting already. <laughs> Are you getting it? So it's so important that we understand ranking with God. Let's ranking with God. Where you will place. What will make you place there? So I said there was a faithfulness with Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. See the testimony. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Verse 3, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who had built the house had more honor than the house. He says that Jesus was faithful in all his house. Jesus was faithful to him that appointed him. So that he also had the same testimony. Who will fulfill my will? What God wanted done, Jesus came to do it. So many times you see in Jesus Christ's communication, I, I didn't send myself. I, I, you know, I, I come to do the will of the Father. You understand? Men who do the will of God have ranking. If you want to know where you will land in eternity, it's not so much as the activity that you are doing. It is by what you are doing. Is it, is it the will of God? Are you doing the will of God? So important. Are you doing the will of God? The will of God. Today's not the time for me to talk about this. But I'll definitely talk about it. I wanted to mention some things, but we'll look at them later. Are you doing the will of God? Jesus was about to die. And he says, Father, if it is possible, let his cup pass over me. Then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. You don't understand. You understand? How come he became the Jesus and the name above all names? We don't understand. Because you don't rise in this kingdom doing your will. You don't rise in this kingdom doing your will. If you're going to rise in this kingdom, you must be doing the will of God. So we've talked about David and we've talked about Jesus, our perfect king. So let me start venturing into his mighty men. David and his mighty men. Yesterday we talked about David. So now we are going to his mighty men. You, you're going to see another parallelism here. The Bible talks about... Let me show you a scripture. Thank you, Jesus. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. 
First Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. He said, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. Now, why did he depart? Saul was looking for him. Saul wanted to kill him. So he departed and went to the cave Adullam. And when, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Verse 2, he says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he came, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You are running. You're already de depressed or frustrated. I see. The guy is already running and he goes into a cave to go and hide. Now, why does he go into a cave to go hide? Because he can't go to market. He go, because they say that Saul is looking for you. And definitely Saul will put money on who will find him. So, you don't know that if you go into the market to buy tomato, the tomato seller, after you buy the tomato, will say, it's because so, 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 so. I just saw the guy. I just saw the guy. You don't know who will snitch on you. Because Saul is looking for you. And because Saul is the anointed, if he's looking for you, everybody assumes that God is also looking for you. So everybody thinks that you are at fault. So the guy goes to hide in the cave of Adullam. And on top of his trouble that he is hiding, 400 men who were in distress. Jesus. <laughs> distress. That's depression. Then in depth. Ah. They were owing people. So they were also running. Then he says, and everyone that was discontented, all of them were unhappy with their lives. See, all these three things together in a man's life. Then all these 400 people go to join David and David now has to become class prefect of 400 distressed people, <laughs> discontented people and people in debt. This was a very great test for David. Even though someone had anointed him, this was a test he should pass first. If you don't pass this one, they can't give you Israel. Look, the kind of calling that David had, you understand? Because when he became a king over Israel, he became God's example of kingship. So God had to take time to work on the guy because Saul was not really worked on. The people said they want a king. God had to pick a king for them. Now, the thing with power, when I, I shared in a tale of three kings, the, the thing with power was that it, it reveals, power and money reveal your true character. It brings out things that even you didn't know it was there. So, when, so one of the things God will do is, he God will work on breaking. When I say God will work on breaking, I'm not saying he will make you timid. No. Breaking you is, I'm, I'm speaking of, you will start losing confidence in your abilities. So that God becomes your strength. So there was a soul hiding inside David. And God had to train. So you will see that David running away from Saul for so many years, you will think that um, it was a bad thing that was happening to him. When you go to Acts 13, verse 22, you will see that God said, and God raised up for them. So how did God raise up for them? He raised up for them with these exams. Saul is looking for you, one. Two. 400 people who don't like their life have come to join you on top of all your depression. On top of what you are going through. You see, kinship, authority, and greatness is not for crybabies. Small thing. And pastor, I want to die. And pastor, life has destroyed me. And pastor, let me tell you something. I told the leaders something. 
I said, when you come to God first, he will tell you that he will take away your pain. When you start growing in him, you know what he does? He teaches you how to play in pain. Do you know how many times that I have not been feeling when somebody called me that they are sick and I have to pray? Sometimes you yourself, where you are thinking, where your mind is passing, is another. Then somebody will now call you and say that, Pastor, sometimes I wonder that this will know what is happening over here. But you see, but you see, I can't complain. On top of everything that is happening, you have to stand. Like David, he himself is running away, but he chose to be, he, he decided to be a captain over 400 people. 400 people who were, in, who were discontented, who were in debt, who were in distress. 400 people who don't even understand where their life is going. God has given them to David. What a very frustrating thing that would do. If out of those 400, 100 were rich guys, you know that David can quickly do a coup d'etat and remove something. But 400 people who don't know what, what, what is David going to teach them? Throw stones? That thing is catapult, right? That's what he's going to teach them, catapult. Now, there's a parallelism here between David and Jesus here again. David received the people who were distressed, dead, discontented. The same with Jesus. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavily laden. He said, I'll give you rest. So see there. Now, when these people came to David, David taught them things. Are you listening? David taught them things. David taught them things. When you go to Psalm 34, it was one of the Psalms that David wrote in the cave. Go there, Psalm 34, verse 1. One of the Psalms that David taught them in the cave. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from that. Now, David is saying this thing in the midst of these 400 guys. They know that you, they are looking for you. But he says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. David was teaching them what? Praise. David was teaching them praise. So David started training these guys. Because what will bring them out of their debt and their discontent and their, is not giving them money. Because David doesn't even have it to give it to them. He now started teaching them what his work with God. David started teaching the guys his work with God. So he says, I saw the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my, my, my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. I like this. Can you give me an IV? David was teaching the people. He was teaching them something. He said, they looked. They, those who look to him are radiant. David started teaching the people that it's not about your discontent. It's not about your distress. It's not about the, what you have been going through. He says, you keep looking unto him. He said, those who look to him become radiant. He said, they look unto him and became radiant. And they became lightened. That means when they kept their gaze on he who is light, they also became light. They look unto him and were radiant. And their faces are never covered with shame. Lift your hand. Say, Lord, thank you. My face is not covered with shame. You see, God, David was teaching them, serve God. Be in the house of God. Be in the presence of God. Sing when things are not going well. Sing. Sing. When things are going well, sing. When things are not going well, sing. David was saying, they look unto him and they became radiant. They look unto him and became radiant and their faces never covered with shame. They started teaching these guys. They started teaching these guys. 
these people who came to David. He started teaching them. Then, also by way of actions, he taught them authority. One of the reasons why the, the throne of David is used as the symbol and explanation of everything God wants to say about authority. That's why when Jesus Christ comes back, he's coming back to the city of David. So everything is David. One of the reasons, I mean, is it the same David who killed somebody and slept with their wife? The same David though. When Jesus Christ comes, he's come to sit on an adulterous throne. Ladies and gentlemen, focus on the core. The elective will sort itself out. I explained to some people. I said, every time people are coming, oh, pastor, I'm going through sexual morality. Pastor, I'm going through masturbation. Pastor, help me. You see, what you are doing, you are breaking your spirit. It's good that you have a sorrow for sin. It's good that you are feeling and you know what you do? Instead of going to look for help me, help, help, you end up breaking your spirit and think you are, you, are, you, are, you are good for nothing. You know what you do? Keep going to the house of God. But you see, the thing is that be honest. Be honest about what you don't want in your life. Because sometimes you can be in the house of God and be now so familiar with the things of God and you know, God cannot even work on you again. There's nobody in this world that cannot be taken for granted, including God. Because it's human nature. Human nature can easily take anything for granted. So when you, that's why I said anything spiritual has a tendency of becoming religious. Because you can easily take even singing in church, you know, for granted. You can take it for granted. Because every time you come, they'll hand you the mic. You can easily take it for granted. When you have prior notice, this is how God selects people. When you have prior notice that you're going to probably lead worship or praise at night before, you shouldn't be able to sleep. Even if it is 10 people. This is how God checks people. This is how God selects people. Now, that night, you couldn't sleep. You prayed in tongues. You fasted. You did everything. When you go and sing, that day, nothing might happen. No. You'll be wondering, ah, by fasted, I prayed. Nothing might happen. No. That's not what God is looking for. God is checking something. Is this usable? Jesus. So David taught them. He taught them authority. He taught them authority. David taught the people authority. They, he taught them that, you know, when, when they, they saw Saul. Now, imagine you are with your 400 guys and you have run away from Saul all your life. Then one day, you, you see Saul sleeping. The one who has been trying to kill you. Kill him. Check David's answer. David said, how can you, maybe tomorrow I'll talk about something. David said, how can you touch the lost anointed, anointed and be guiltless? And be guiltless. He said, the moment you touch the lost anointed, no matter how good your case is, you are guilty. So David had respect for the anointed. And because of his respect for the anointed and for authority, God can point everybody that when you are talking about kingship, you are talking about authority, go to David. He passed those tests. When you see people talking about things like, Oh, that's not my anointed. They have been saying it's a way for pastors to get, uh, get people not to say anything about them. Who we'll say it? Who we'll say it? Let me tell you something. I said, be careful the things that have eternal value. When you see these kind of things, you will not see that tomorrow you talk against a pastor and tomorrow a car hits him. No, 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 no. God is not a fool. God is not a fool. Don't think like that. That immediately that happens, then the next day something happens, you say, hey, you talk against the Lord. No, 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 no. Even God will not be talking to the pastor to be praying for you. Whoever you spoke against, God will talk to the pastor to pray for you. Because that is what Jesus did. When they were beaten, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. But you see, those things have eternal consequences. 
Let me give you for example. When the Bible says that women should cover their hair, all right? It didn't say hair. We'll talk about that another time. So it's not about covering your hair, hair. Because in that same chapter, he talked about hair, he talked about head. That means he knows the difference between hair and head. So he said that woman should not cover her head. So he's not talking about hair. So if you want to really cover the head, just start from the neck <laughs> and cover the whole head. He was talking about authority because he said the head of the woman is the man. When you see somebody who is not submissive to the husband and you are seeing, the, the consequence is not in, it will be as though she has done it and nothing happened to her. The consequence is not on earth because you see, he said the woman should cover her head because of the angels. So the consequence is not natural. You see, when we go into, you know, when this life ends and we go into, the things that, the issues that will come out, and some thrones people will make, I said segregation, God brought it, segregation. He said some people will sit at the camp of the saints in heaven, that's at the back. It's called the camp of the saints, that's, all, that's every general class, <laughs> camp of the saints, popular stand. But in heaven, those who did mighty things, you will see, if God could recommend, you will see when we come to David's mighty men, if God could recommend that this man was this, this man was this, that means God actually approves of ranking. Zoom, you, you get what I'm saying? Zoom United, yeah. Loom is moving fast. Zoom is moving fast, fast. YouTube. Fire. So you see, those things have eternal consequences. That's why they are important for us to understand them. Alright, now, this man came to David, so David began to teach this guy something. At, by the time David was about to die and he wanted to build God a temple, this same man gave. The Bible said they gave a lot of money. They gave a lot of gold. Discontented. Debt. Distressed. By the end of their life, they were contented. They were contented. They were undistressed. They were rather giving now. Because they worked with David. David taught them what works. And David will not just teach them what works. He taught them what works and lasts. 2 Samuel 23. Let's start from verse 7. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. He said, these are the names. I see of David's mighty men, Joseph Bashibet, a Tachmonite, chief of the three. He raised up his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Give me King James, verse 8. He said, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Mighty men. David is mighty men. We'll talk about David and who he was, how great he was. Now look at the mighty men of David. He said, these be the names. Remember I said that might is the demonstration of strength. Now, something had happened to these guys. When they went to, remember their description before they came. Now, after a while, something happened to these guys. After working with David, something happened to them. Like there are certain people who are in church today. When they came to church, they, they couldn't lead themselves. Their own self, they couldn't lead it. Now they are leading hundreds. Something happened to them. He said, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. We'll come back to him. The next one. And after him was Eliezer the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. 
when they defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away, he says, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day and the people returned after him to, only to spoil. The next one. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils and people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. These three were the First ranking guys with David. So let's start from Adino. His other name is Joseph Bashibet. These were the names of the mighty men whom David had. These first three, dangerous guys. We're going to see something about them. Now remember that we are talking about David as mighty men. David had mighty men. These men entered into ranking. Now, if, we, if David is a good example of kingship, Whatever were the qualities that made the people pass, maybe if we follow it, we will see something there. We will see what matters to God. He said, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Tachmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. Now, he said, He slew at one time. That means this guide was an achiever. Listen, achievers, listen, achievers are important to God. You know, leave that traditional Christianity that let's all do something, let's all try, and something will happen. Now, we, we, we think so selfishly that anytime we are in a comfort zone, someone dies for it. Anytime we are in a comfort zone, someone is going to suffer for it. Let's all do our best. Let's all try. Those things, those, that type of Christianity, so they don't care if the church is growing. They don't care. Church growing means more people are coming in. That means more people are being saved. Simple. Someone says, are you winning souls into the kingdom of God or you are winning it into your church? Have you seen those things that some people have been saying? You know, it looks like, you know, are you winning to the kingdom of God? Have you seen the kingdom of God before? <laughs> if they show me the road to the kingdom of God, if they tell you to take, take me to the kingdom of God, you know the road that looks to the kingdom of God? We say things that we don't understand. And it's like we've said something very wise. And some people say, mm, mm. You say of late, people just win souls to go to their churches. Okay, I want the soul. I should take him where? I want the soul. I should what? I should leave him in the middle of the street and go home. What are you saying? If I really care about that soul, I want him to hear what I'm hearing. I want him to grow. Every soul that we personally took care of, have you seen what they become? So I should leave the soul where? If the person says, go to a Bible-believing church. After your soul has been won, we want you to go to any Bible-believing church. The person just got born again. How will he know a Bible-believing church? The same was Adino. You see, he was an achiever. Adino, the Esnite, was an achiever. But, you know, the other guys were also achievers. But there was something about Adino's achievement. Adino was a skillful achiever. Because he said he slew at one time. The guy... He, the guy trained himself. The guy became skillful. He's a skillful achiever. So put there, number one, a skillful achiever. Or a gifted achiever. Ladies and gentlemen, there are gifts that God has put inside you. Use those gifts to achieve something for the kingdom. He said that with one spear. Now, those days, what counted was they were killing people because they wanted to gain more territory and grounds. Today, we don't kill people to gain territory and ground. Today, what Jesus asked us to do is to win souls. So, the same thing can be said about Adino. He won 800 souls at one time. 
skillful achiever. At one time, one meeting. So we are talking about David and his mighty men. I'm talking to people that after this camp, people are going to rise and start doing mighty things by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same was Adino the S9, a skillful achiever. The guy trained himself. He didn't just, you know, no, the, the guy had gifts. The guy had gifts. The guy could write a song. Man take a buyer. Hey. The guy, you know, the guy could play for things to happen. The same was Adino the S Knights. He said, chief among the 30. He, his ranking, a skilled achiever. The numbers matter. I said, the numbers matter. So, oh, no, me, myself, we are only three, but we are okay. Myself, we are only three, but we, we are good. No, you see, you see, God is the only one who knows. I said, the numbers matter. They wouldn't have measured how many people he killed. Because the, the, how many people the next guy after him killed? Eliezer killed 300, and that is lesser than 800. That means God counted, and God made the numbers matter. So, oh, me, myself, we are 10, but I say, no, it's fine. You know, God knows the one who is doing the true work. How? 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 You think the person who has more people was sleeping? You think the person who has more people was sleeping? We will leave this place full of the might of the Spirit. You know, that is why we are spending time to pray because I don't want us to walk out of this place and we came the same way we came in and we just came to talk about mighty men and we walk out and nothing is happening. No, when we leave this place, we will see hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands. Might is required. If Jesus is going to come, some people will have to rise up and start doing, because remember on the first day, he said he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Who will give it to him? Who will give it to him? He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. Who will give it to him? Every Christian is in a comfort zone. A Christian will watch series from morning to evening for seven days in a week. No time to pray. When you say, when you lift up song, they'll go to church. And when the pastor preached more than one hour, 30 minutes, he said, this church, cry, a Christian. A Christian, a Christian, a Christian should want to sleep in church. All the days, we did every other thing. We just came to church one Sunday, and two hours, 30 minutes has gone. And the Christian is in a hurry to go back home. To go and do what? To continue the series. Korean series. You have not yet understood that Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And you don't know that, you know, and we have left everything. We are so lackadaisical. We are so lackadaisical. No wonder that Jesus Christ, giving the parable of the ten virgins, said it was only five who entered. The other five, Yamutu. Because Jesus, when he comes, will definitely come and meet unprepared Christians. How will you know you are prepared? He said, blessed is he who, when his master cometh, will come and find working. He said, who when his master comes, shall find so doing. That's the only way we will know that you are ready. He, shall, they, he said, blessed is he that who when his master comes, he said, shall find so doing. Shall find so doing. Blessed is he when his master comes, he shall find so doing. Blessed is he who when his Lord comes, shall find so doing. Blessed is he. So doing. Doing something massive for God. Who's doing something massive for God? When I came to church, the, 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 first, the, the first year I came to church, the first year, okay, Pastor said, close your eyes and imagine something you're going to do for God. I saw myself at National Theater preaching. 
I was a little boy. I didn't know how it would ever happen. I didn't know how it would ever happen. But I saw myself that it is important. Those statements need to be made. Do you know how many people I've how many places I've walked into that when I tell them that I had a meeting over there, I never publicized it on radio and TV, and the place was packed out. They look at you differently. They look at you because they know it costs money and it costs a lot. They know what they go through to make those things happen. Do you know the message that was sent out? Do you know what, what happened at Encounter Love? People now be saying, hey, these people, hey, these people, hey, this boy, was it this person? Anybody who didn't want to listen to you now wants to listen to you. The numbers matter because when you have might, you are respected. Blessed is that servant whom when his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Not when he cometh and then you, are, you, are, you are unprepared. You are unprepared. The same was Adino, the skillful guy. The same was Adino, the skillful guy. He said one day he lifted up his spear. That means he lifted up his gifts. Some of you know how to talk. All you need is to inject God into that gift. Because he didn't say the guy was a good fighter. He said he was a mighty man. That means the guy was functioning with might. Just like Samson. The spirit of God came mightily upon Samson. That means it was a spiritual infusion that was making these guys work. When you see anybody doing mighty things, it is God, God has given him something. And I'll be worshipping all of the days of my life. And I'll be worshipping all of the days. As one person, as one person, 800 people, you know, one, the, the first part is that as one person, he was able to make it happen. The second part is that he was one person and 800 people came against him. It was not 801. He killed all, he killed all that came. He killed all that came. He's talking about one person that handles the targets. The same was Adino. The same was Adino. The same was Adino. In this context, David is not here, but we have a perfect King Jesus. Will we rank as one of his mighty men? Are we going to rank as one of his mighty men? Are we going to rank as one of his mighty men? Shatakale. Shatakale. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't start thinking, oh, but they are great men of God. Go to Psalm 8. Let me show you something. Oh, but they are big men of God. They will be the mighty men. They are big men of God. And they will be the mighty men. Shambhala Baba. Shambhala Baba. Oh, you, are, you have lost it. Look, go to verse 2. Verse 2 says, verse 2 says, He said, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thy enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. God can steal the enemy and the avenger with young people. He can steal them with little boys. In fact, over here, he even said babes. That means we even have to be careful. We are growing too much. We even have to be careful. God might be bypassing us to go and look for smaller, smaller people. It's out of the mouth of babes. And sucklings. Sucklings are people who are, who are sucking breasts. Sucklings. He said he has ordained strength. He gave might. He gave might. He gave might. Remember that scripture. He said he gave power to the faint. He give a power to the faint. He give a power to the faint. 